Good morning, church. Before I open up this morning in our, with a prayer, I want to invite all of the men of this congregation to join us on Saturday the 11th as we um, prepare for a post-COVID conversation. Right? We need to pick ourselves up now grab those who are struggling and move forward. And we want to do this together in a unified way. And so we're asking for all the men to join us in that breakfast. Please RSVP, by the way, um, to bring your inputs and ideas regarding that. April 8th, there'll be a women's meeting. And we're asking all the ladies to join and then bring their input. And then we'll have a congregational meeting and work together to uh, get us moving forward uh, with a post-COVID idea, if you will, um, and helping gather the church back together. And so your elders and the deacons are asking you to help us to formulate ideas and plans and, uh, and just thoughts so we can uh, be together in Christ, in unity, bringing glory and honor to his name. So that's your invitation. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our great God and wonderful God, we praise you. We, Lord God, we are at a loss for words to, to be able to say thank you to you. For we say thank you to each other. And we use that word so commonly. And yet to use that phrase to you seems so shallow. And Lord God, but it's the best that we have. And so we thank you for your love for us and for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus, your great son who died on that cruel cross of Calvary. Bless us in our worship, Lord God, to show our thanks, giving to you as we worship you, praying that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. These things we do pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to be that will. Amen. Welcome to each of you, both members and visitors alike. We are on the walking day. I think it's part two, but um, maybe we'll get two sermons in here. This morning, but we're going to pick up with uh, the Walking Dead. We're going to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. We're talking about these zombie episodes, and it's it really was a big deal, right? And it kind of still is in a way. Zombies and walkers and all of that that um, that comes with that. And in those movies, we see this um, this flesh eating disease that has infected people and dead people, and you know just a an interesting concept or, or thought. And so grabbing that idea and thinking about it from a spiritual perspective and, and realizing that the difference is the walking dead in the church and out of the church actually look like spirit-filled people. They look normal, right? They're regular looking, not flesh-eaten individuals. And guess what? They come to worship. And guess who else comes with them and with us? Guess who's here this morning? He's not a welcomed guest, but he's always here. Satan. He comes on Sunday morning. He comes in all of our activities. He's always amongst God's people, if you will. The walking dead mingles with us. 
Jude says that the walking dead are considered reeds in our midst during our potluck assemblies. It's interesting how the Bible speaks to this point. Verse, verse 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So imagine the church joined together and yet there were these other false apostles. They weren't real and they weren't true and they were spiritually dead and they were amidst and amongst all of God's people, even amongst God's apostles. And then it says, down here in verse 14, And no wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. And Satan was with them. Right? So here are the false apostles who are, who are misleading the flock. And then here's Satan misleading the flock. And then he's got some other folks too. We might call them his demons, if you will, his minions. In verse 15, and therefore it's not surprising if his servants, some versions will say ministers, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deed. The Bible definitely speaks to this point that there are people, turn to Matthew 12, please, who are alive physically, but spiritually dead. And Satan comes amongst us. When we move with the Lord, as we live with the Lord and serve the Lord, we got to remember that our hearts, our hearts are what's moving, right? Our mind, right? This is, and I'm, and I'm doing one of two things. I'm either, I'm either drawing myself further away from God or closer to Him. And sometimes in the, in the body of Christ, there have been, there have been people that, uh, we know this, over the times of history, looking around even right now with, with uh, COVID situations, people have walked away from God for different reasons. And here's what's scary. When our hearts walk away from God, guess who steps in? So let's read it. Matthew 12, verse 43. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. So in other words, you know, you can imagine this. You can think about this in this way. person comes to Christ, they get baptized into Christ. All the evil's gone, if you will. Jesus cleans us all up. And thank you, God. And then the evil spirit tries to come home to his home. That's not his home. But he thinks it is. And the evil spirit tries to come home to his home. And he finds it, he finds it unoccupied. He finds it swept and put in order because Jesus is there. And he doesn't like that. Right? And Satan doesn't like it when we're faithful to God. We are Satan's biggest enemy when we're faithful to God. Satan doesn't like that. So Satan wants to try to find a way to fix you and me. Right. All right. Here's the problem. Here's the scary part. The scary part is I was Satan's minion, if you will. All of us were. All of us lived outside of Christ. 
All of us were enemies of the cross. But then you, we woke up and we came to Jesus and Jesus cleaned us up. Thank you, God. The scary part is, but then some of us went back out into the world. We walked away from Jesus. And Satan was angry already at us. And listen to what the demon world speaks of in verse 45. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. That's scary, isn't it? I mean, I was already bad enough at one. Now Satan's going to give me eight. No, no, Satan didn't give it to me. I asked him for it. See, this isn't a game, right? This is real. And Satan wants your souls. He wants mine. And so when Satan comes back into this, this home that maybe I've walked away from Jesus, I'm not, I'm not close to Jesus like I used to be, and I've walked away from Jesus. Get away from Satan, church. So, so the text says that it goes in, along and it takes with the seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go and live there. And the last day of that man becomes worse than the first. And this is the way it will also be with this evil generation. And you find this, this, this teaching and the Old Testament carried it over into the New Testament all the way into the end. It tells us that the second state of a man is worse than the first. In other words, what it's saying to us is this. When you leave the world and you come to Jesus, and then you leave Jesus and go back into the world, you know those things you said you'd never do? You'll do them. Because the second state, or as it says in other places, the last state is worse than the first state. And that's why we'll go, you know this person knows better? They used to come to worship all the time, and now they are so far gone. How'd they get there? God's telling you. And so then we have this understanding that there are the walking dead. See, I don't want to be a part of that, do you? And I, I love the zombie movie in that, uh, or, or whatever they are, episodes, or, uh, because you, you, know, you see the zombie and you, you, know, you steer clear of him. You, you want to get away from him because that's scary. Don't you want to get away from Satan too? So what does it look like, right? What does it look like? What does the walking dead actually look like even in the day of Jesus? Well, um, John 6. John 6 gives us a great picture of Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. Beginning at verse 70, uh, the Bible says, Jesus speaking to Judas, Did I not myself choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon, Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And we're studying about Judas now in the evening. And you know what's even scarier than Judas? We read it last week, back to Judges, if you will. We go back there and we read it last week and we realize that there's, there's something scarier than, than Judas. We, we can identify, okay, I get it, I'm, I'm watching that, I see it. But, but Romans 1 tells us that for some, for all, for any, who will walk away from Jesus and live an ungodly life, he says, I'll turn you over. And in Judges 
chapter 16, Samuel says something. And I want you to catch what, what Samson, rather, what Samson said in the midst of Delilah. Remember, Delilah said, tell me where your strength lies so that I can afflict you. <laughs> Just, what, a, what a comment. What a statement. Listen to what Samson said. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. See, he didn't even know it. He didn't even know it, church. God departed from him. So there isn't a feeling. I'm asking you to reach, reach, reach for this feeling. What does it feel like? You won't even know it. But I think based on the scriptures, you kind of have to know it. Because you know what's on your heart. And you know what's on your mind. So Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 8, speaks of the walking dead. Being spiritually dead is the state of, if you will, those who are outside of Christ. That's the generic uh, definition that I'll give for the walking dead uh, in this lesson. It's the state of the individual person who are outside of Christ. Matthew 8, beginning at verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. A certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and allow the dead, that's spiritually dead, to bury their own dead. 1 Timothy, chapter, chapter 5. There's a, a woman who's described in 1 Timothy chapter 5 as being, as being dead, even though she is physically alive. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 5, Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God, and continues in entreaties and prayer night and day. But she who gives herself to wanting pleasure is dead even while she lives. And then in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, speaking to the church of Sardis, the Bible says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, 
But that was a dead church. So the walking dead, from a spiritual perspective, is very realistic. Now the purpose of zombies in the movies is they, they just walk around aimlessly and they spread the virus, whatever the virus is. I don't even know what that is exactly. But then I, I thought about that. I was like speaking spiritually. That's really scary. Because guess what? The walking dead spiritually are also carrying a deadly virus. You can't see it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It just passes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. It's kind of scary. And it's highly contagious. Listen to what it says. Verse 33. That will never happen to me, preacher. Do not be deceived, church. It's contagious. Do not be deceived, preacher. It's contagious. Bad company corrupts good morals. We see the fruit of it. We see the fruit of it all day long. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's a church who had issues. And there was a man who was, was living ungodly. And the Bible says, your boasting, verse 6, is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, a little bit, leavens the whole lump? In other words, one person can affect the whole church. It's contagious. It's very contagious. Scary. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. And here's what's happening. Satan wants all of us dead. Spiritually. He doesn't care if you're dead while you're living and then you die physically. He just wants you ultimately in the end to be dead spiritually. And he would love for us to be dead while we're walking, while we're alive in the church. He would love to see that. See, it's like that old idea that, um, you know, once saved, always saved. Well, that's not biblical, right? But once a Christian, always a Christian. He'd be judged as a Christian regardless of how we live our lives. We want to make sure that we are alive, not dead. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen, listen to this. Verse 16. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene among the Hermeneus and Philetus. It spreads like, it's, so it's contagious. It's, it spreads like gangrene. I mean, this, this ungodliness and wickedness, it just, it just spreads. And watch what happens. Watch what happens when it gets to the preacher. Turn to 2 Peter. And then, and what happens, and we'll go, is that what he, did he say? Did he, he, did he say, yeah, he did say that. And then we start wondering, what happened to the preacher? What's wrong with the preacher? He's been infected. Or he infected others. But he definitely will infect others if he's been infected. 
So verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 2, it says this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And their greed, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And that's what Satan wants, right? Spread it. Spread the disease. You say, preacher, well, what, what disease are you talking about? I'll get there in a second. Well, there's a few of them, but I'm going to get to this one in a second. Verse 18. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. That, that's like uh, talking to a young teenager. I say, you know, to the young, young ladies, my daughter, I say, look, if, if, if a young guy offers you the world and he doesn't have a job, don't believe him. You at least have a job before you can offer you something, right? Here are these empty promises from the preacher, from the elders, from the deacons, from the members. Oh, he's alive and he's well. Let me just give you one disease, one virus. Okay. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. It's going to give you one. I'll give you a bunch of them, but time won't allow. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, rather, nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That, that's a disease. That, that's a contagious one. Lukewarmness. You know how someone invites you to do something when you're supposed to be here, but they invite you to go somewhere else? That's lukewarm Christianity. It's contagious. You know how when someone says, hey, you know, are you going to go to worship this Sunday? I was thinking we could. That's lukewarm Christianity. You know what lukewarm Christianity is, right? When you, when you have, you're juggling God and the world. When you have two gods in your life, and God says you can only have one. And you know what God says? I don't want some of you. I want it all. I want it all, church. And you go, Lord, but if, if, you, if you take all of my life, then what's left for me? And he said, all. And you go, no way, that doesn't make any sense. When I do the math, Lord, it doesn't add up. If I give you all, there's none left for me. And God says you're doing the wrong kind of math. It's the wrong kind of math. If I take all being number one, I can still give you all. Because one times one is still one. You need to do the right kind of math. Give God all, and God will give you all. But the difference is the all that God gives surpasses the all that I can ever come up with. And the all that God gives, not only does it surpass it in this life, the Bible uses words like incomprehensible. 
but it also takes us to the next life. Verse 17 says, because you say I'm rich, I love this, and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know. Here's what's funny, right? Here's my all. Here's my all, Lord. I'm going to give you my all, God. God says, what is it? I go, Lord, I'm rich. And God says, yeah, are you? I go, yeah, I'm rich. And God says, no, here's, here's what your all is, Tony. You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, and that's all you have without me. That's a lot, right? A lot of nothing. But you give God your all, and God gives you these amazing, and you can just keep reading and reading and reading, and watch what God does. I'm trying to make a point. I'll get there in just a minute. We're just about to wrap up. God does not want us to spread contagious viruses among. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the spiritual stuff amongst each other. In particular, this morning, lukewarmness. I'm going to Philippians chapter 3. That is a deadly evil that invades the church. And it goes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And it wreaks, it wreaks havoc from within. And next thing you know, you've got whole families falling away. It's amazing, right? You watch how lukewarmness works. It doesn't just take one person. Usually it takes a whole lot of people. It takes them away from God. Philippians chapter 3 and... Verse 17, you have to love what the text says. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you, even weeping, the enemies of the cross of Christ. Remember Matthew 12. I went from being a child of God, faithful and true. And the world got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. And it walked me away from Jesus. And now I'm looking at my life and I'm kind of confused. And then it really stings when I recognize that what Jesus said by way of inspiration is, You've become my enemy. You, you've, been, you've become what you once were, an enemy of the cross. Ephesians tells us that. Chapter 2. Romans chapter 8. So many other places. Let me get to my point. Ephesians 5, please. We'll begin to wrap this up. Because the goal of this lesson is not to point out necessarily uh, our... our our struggles, although it, it, we got it. <laughs> but, but the point of my lesson, the goal of this lesson this morning is to wake us up if we're sleeping. Because right? we go into this meeting on, on Saturday, I'm looking forward to it, excited. We, we want to wake some folks up. Maybe I need to be awakened. Maybe I've fallen asleep. Help me out. I want your help. Right? Shouldn't we all want each other's help? Snatch me from the fire. Get my life right with God. Help me out. I want to go to heaven too. Don't you?
And that's what that meeting is. It's a help me out meeting. You want help? Come on and help us. Help each other. Together. I love the idea of walking to heaven, holding hands, one with another. Because we're helping each other. It's not a competition. We're helping each other. We're all in the same boat. Satan's trying to get every one of us. He's listening to the sermon this morning, and he's not very happy. He might have some things he wants to discuss with me later. I don't know. Help me out, church. Ephesians chapter 5. Here's the point. Verse 11. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But you've got to wake up first. We have to wake up and come alive. King James talks about being quickened. Right. I tell you what COVID has done. It's, it's caused some of us to go to sleep. Romans chapter 13. In fact, it not only caused some of us to go to sleep, some of us during COVID kind of rolled out of bed still asleep. And you turn television on in your jammies. Did I really separate? Have I really made a separation and sanctify Christ in my heart? Romans 13. If I have fallen asleep, wake me up. I want God to wake me up. If you have fallen asleep, I pray this lesson wakes you up. If you know someone that's fallen asleep, help wake them up. You can pick up your phone and call one of the brethren and say, hey, we love you, we miss you, it's time to get up. Because Satan wants us to lie around in bed all day. And I'm talking about spiritually. Not necessarily physically. Verse 11 says, Romans 13. And this do, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to waken, awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than... Oh boy, that's a big one. It's not just old people. I used to always say that, you know, when people want to teach me the Bible, I'm like, oh, I'm not old yet. Wait till I get older and then I'll learn the Bible and come to Jesus. Like all the older old, other old people who go to church. Only old people go to church. That wasn't true. I thought it was true. I'd never been. That's why I thought it was true. Because you, know you know what I thought about old people? Old people are closer to death than young people. But the Bible speaks to that very same thought very differently. Because even young people die. Babies die. Right? In the womb, they die. But I was just stupid and mixed up. Anyway, listen to what it says. I want to read this one more time. Verse 11. And this do, knowing, that, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now, salvation 
is nearer to us than when we believed. So there's the age. From the day you believed till today, you are closer to going home to be with God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, God, for that. Every one of you, every one of us in this building and outside all over the world who, who have awakened another day are closer to going home. The question is, which home? The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and in sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. I might add some of those not in. Not in, well, God never said you couldn't. Not in that stuff, right? No, let, let us wake up and verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh in regards to its lust. Don't you want to go to heaven? You can't get there in your own way. We can only get there through the ways of Christ. And God's grace is abundant. And His call is for all of us. And today, today, right now, today is the day of salvation. So the lesson is yours this morning. I've learned something. I hope you've learned something. What should I say? I hope that I was able to remind you of something that I know you already know. The lesson is yours this morning. If you are not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. He's calling for you. You've heard His Word. You've heard His Word in the past. You, you believe His Word. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. You're willing to change your life, but you just maybe need some direction or, or you need a push. You need a nudge. You're willing to confess his name. That's what God asks us to do. Let me baptize you immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And let God clean the house up. And then never let Satan come back in. Let the Holy Spirit come inside of you as God promised in Acts 2.38. If you're a child of God and you're struggling in your walk of faith, then they just need a few extra prayers made in your behalf. It's not shameful to need prayers. We all need help, right? If there's something we can do to help in any way, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?